Goff's three minute. Your story. Cause knowledge is Following World War I, as veterans returned home to their respective countries, a dilemma was upon their home nations, providing jobs. As men had gone off to fight in the Great War, their jobs were filled with new workers, and when they returned, these new employees did not want to readily give up their jobs. Different countries used different tactics, but Australia attempted something a bit different. The Australian government bought up large parcels of land, and veterans could apply for and receive a plot of land in which they could cultivate into a working farm. In the end, they provided over 5,000 veterans with farms. These farms were primarily focused on producing wheat and sheep. The problem was Australia is home to an invasive and protected species that love wheat, emus. Emus are a close cousin to the ostrich and the world's second tallest bird. They can grow over six feet tall and weigh upwards of 80 pounds. They can also sprint up to 31 miles an hour and cut on a dime. So as the war veterans attempted to hack it out in the outback and grow their farms, they were faced with these giant wheat-loving flightless birds who would absolutely devastate a wheat field in no time. With all the issues they had with emus eating their crops, compiled with the Great Depression wreaking havoc on the world economy, the government was unable to pay farmers subsidies to help out. So in 1932, with an estimated 20,000 emus running amok across the Australian farmland, they got reclassified from protected species to vermin, and the Great Emu War was upon us. While the veterans turned farmers, hunted and killed emus by the thousands in the 20s, they couldn't scratch the surface of the problem. There was always the issue of restricted ammunition, and the farmers just couldn't get their hands on enough ammo to continue the fight. And so, rather than give more ammunition, in November of 1932, the government sent Major G.P.W. Meredith and the 7th Heavy Battery of the Royal Australian Artillery into the fight. Major Meredith led troops to the Campion District to strike down 50 emus and to start to quell the problem. The troops drew up on a flock of 1,000 emu and strategically aligned themselves for attack. As shots rang out, the emus scattered and danced around with minimal casualties. A few days later, a machine gun nest was set up disguised nearby another flock of a thousand, and only 10 to 12 emus were felled before the gun jammed. One soldier on the battlefield was quoted as saying, The emus have proved that they are not so stupid as they are usually considered to be. Each mob has its leader, always an enormous black plume bird standing fully six feet high, who keeps watch while his fellows busy themselves with the wheat. At the first suspicious sign, he gives the signal and a dozen heads stretch up out of the crop. A few birds will take fright, starting a headlong stampede for the scrub. The leader always remains until his followers have reached safety. In a skirmish later that day, troops tried shooting from the bed of a truck as they drove by. This did not go well. A lone kamikaze emu, after being mortally wounded, threw himself under the truck, and after getting tangled in the axle, caused the truck to run off the road destroy a length of fencing and nearly flip. When a politician joked about giving medals to soldiers in the skirmish, another officer retorted that if anyone were to get a medal, it would have to be the emus who were quite performing well against the artillery unit. By the end of the week, they had only killed about 40 emus. What is most impressive is perhaps not that the emu defeated the Australian military once, 
But actually twice, as a few months later, Major Meredith went back out to try again. In the weeks that followed, the artillery unit was killing around 100 per week at a cost of roughly 10 bullets per emu. As the cost of bullets to birds was calculated, it was painfully evident that the emus had the upper hand and a defeated Major Meredith called the war to an end. The Great Emu War was over and the Aussies had lost. There was praise for the bird. As an article in the Sun-Herald, a local newspaper pointed out, if we had a military division with the bullet-carrying capacity of these birds, it could face any army in the world. Another scientist spoke glowingly of the bird's capacity for troop movement and evasion, summarizing the war as, quote, the machine gunner's dreams of point-blank fire into serried masses of emus were soon dissipated. The emu command had evidently ordered guerrilla tactics and its unwieldy army soon split up into innumerable small units that made use of the military equipment uneconomic. A crestfallen field force therefore withdrew from the combat area after about a month. When the dust settled, the problem remained. Emus were decimating the wheat farms. Finally, the government gave in and threw their support behind the farmers' requests and provided ammunition for the farmers to take matters into their own hands. This proved much more effective and by the end of 1934, the farmers had slain over 57,000 emu, bringing them into more manageable numbers. Today, the emu population of Australia is somewhere between 600 and 700,000 and they are again back on the protected species list. But let us never forget the Battle of the Birds the Great Emu War, and how you cannot underestimate the animal kingdom. Just think what would have happened if Emu had opposable thumbs. Class dismissed. This podcast, written, produced, and narrated by Isaac Goff in Wild Wonderful, Wart County, West Virginia. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. <laughs>